there's 10 verses we got to read, and we only get to study five of them. And then common sense will say that today we'll pick up on the last five that we didn't study last week. Unfortunately for you guys, no, unfortunately. Fortunately for you guys is the fact that there's a lot more in the first couple of verses that we study that I didn't get a chance to explain to you guys. And again, it goes into we want to make sure that we squeeze everything out of the Word of God that comes with it, right? There's a lot more meaning behind the simple verses that we read, behind the simple things that we've heard about, right? You guys remember, I think in the book of John, I brought it up to you guys' attention when we talk about, you know, I could do all, thing, all things to God who strengthens me, right? How many of us have heard that before? How many of us have said that before, right? It's a beautiful verse. It's a beautiful thing to be reminded of that we could do all things to Christ who strengthens us. But do you guys remember how in context that verse is used? No? It's used for the sharing of the gospel. It's used when you're being persecuted for the sake of the gospel. Now when you're being dumped by a boyfriend or girlfriend. I can't tell you this anymore, but I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. No. God is not going to give you strength to go through a breakup. That's not where that verse is being used in context. Right? Now, can we use it because, you know, we're going through some kind of persecution? Yes, we can. Can we use it because you're mad at your parents or a significant other? No. That's not how that works. Now, can God comfort us in times like that? Of course he can. But don't you, or let's, the point of it is that to make sure that we know the verses that we're using and how we're using them. So, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and read again Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. But we're going to pick up on verse uh, 3 and 4. Those are going to be our main study for today. There's a lot that I want to get to you guys. We got, uh, last week, we got a lot into the definitions and some of the words that we were talking about. We're going to go ahead and, and, and go over those again. So we understand the meaning of, if I may say, the basic foundation of what a Christian should know, right? As a Christian, we talk about faith. We talk about hope. We talk about the gospel. But do we really know what that means? Do we really know how to put that into perspective? And do we practice that in our lives? How does that, how does that look like in our lives? So let's go ahead and read uh, a couple of announcements. And I'm pleased, and if anyone can remind me uh, uh, every time we start service to go ahead and go over some of the announcements that we go over the Spanish ministry. Reason being is because some of you guys missed the, uh, the church picnic last week because uh, some people didn't come to the Spanish service and I didn't announce it in English. So on September 4th is about Tiso's baptism, September 4th, all right? So that's going to be from 10 in the morning until your body can't hang anymore, all right? Uh, so I think by default, they're going to ask me to go and reserve the place at 5 in the morning. I already, I already know I got one volunteer, two volunteers, three volunteers, four volunteers. Ooh, yes, Alex, you're down? Alex and Marlene, you're down? Yes, hey, party before the party starts. I'm telling you right now, 5 in the morning. We're going to head over to Corona del Mar, but the deal is you can't leave early. Oh, do I be here since, 10, since 5 in the morning, and then like come 9 o'clock, nobody shows up, and you're like, I got to go. I've been here for, you know, four hours. So that's not how it works. We're going to stay there until, until we can. I, it's, it's been, I don't want to say it's been sad, but I remember in the, in the beginning when we started doing those, we used to have like worship at night, 
Now everybody leaves like at 3, 4 o'clock because they've been there the whole day. So I miss those times. So I, this year, I'm going to stay there and do worship at night. So if you want to stick around, we're going to go ahead and hang out until later that night. And you can't be late Sunday morning. I'm telling you that right now. All right? So that's September 4th. And then September 12th this is, is the church anniversary. Uh, so it's going to be 14-year anniversary for the church. I know they're going to have food after service, after the Spanish service. I'm not planning on canceling the English service, guys, which means that we are going to have service, and there's probably going to be people out there hanging out, picking up, cleaning, cleaning up. So I'm not canceling the English service for that day, but it's a special day. I invite you guys to come over for the Spanish and, and celebrate with us 14 years uh, of being here uh, anything else am I missing? I think that's it, right? I think that's it. Uh, men's retreat. If you're interested in going to the men's retreat in Spanish, it's the same weekend of the anniversary. Uh, just make sure you guys talk to the ushers. I know they have the forms that you have to fill out to go. So that's also interesting. Uh, they're always fun. They're always a blessing. I, I was... A lot of good things happened to me when I used to go to the men's retreat. I went to the very first men retreat that was ever put together back in 1999. I know. There was only about 100 men that showed up to the men's retreat, and it was a blessing. It was the first time I ever heard anybody speaking in tongues, and it was done right. Uh, it was very beautiful, by the way. If, I'm not going to get into that, but a couple of years later, more people showed up. It was about 200 men showed up. And as I was sitting down with a bunch of older men, and I was just listening. I used to, I, I love listening to people's conversation, especially when it comes to things of the Lord. Uh, and then at the end, it was 3 o'clock in the morning. They were like, oh, we got to go to sleep. And they were like, well, let's pray. So it was, like, it was about five of us in the table. And Cirilo was there. I remember Cirilo being there. And I remember other people. Uh, and then we were praying. And according to one of the guys that was there, says, when I was praying, he said that he, something came into his mind, and it was, it was a vine with a lot of fruit. And he didn't understand what that meant until it was his turn to pray. And he said the Lord revealed to him that God had showed him that, that in my life there was going to be a lot of fruit. Now, mine, at this time I'm around 19 years old. I have no idea what that means. I'm like, you know, I, I, really, didn't know, I, didn't, I really didn't know what to, what to think of it. 20-some years later, I'm over here standing in front of you guys, and I could see what God was trying to do. And, and, and God reveals himself in so many different ways, guys. And I thank the Lord for that vision that he gave that man because it encouraged me when uh, there's a verse in the Bible, and if you guys could find it for me, it says, when no fruit is on the vine, I will trust in you, right? There's been times in my life where I'm like, nah, this isn't it. Like, it can be, you know? This is the end of all, right? And God somehow, through his power like does things where like look a year ago about a year ago we weren't meeting together there was only four or five of, five of us five of us in this place trying to do the service online you guys remember some of you guys will text me your funny pictures and all that stuff and then somehow i didn't think you guys will come back after the church opened up and i look around and i thank the lord for every single one of you guys even those that are not here for uh cora for um camila you know people that that still stick around even though they're far away so we miss you guys wish you guys were here but yeah so i encourage you guys if you guys have never been to a men's retreat i encourage you guys you guys should check it out uh talk to the ushers on thursday see if you guys is uh, pulling an application for it all right 
With that being said, that's it, guys. Let's read Colossians chapter 1, verses 1 through, we're going to, yeah, 1 through 14. Let's go ahead and read. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ in Colossae, grace to you and peace be from God our Father. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus when we pray for you. Since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. Because of the hope laid out for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. As it is also does among you since the day you've heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is, faithful, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so, from the day we've heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As, so, as to walk in a, ma- a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience patience with him, with joy, I'm sorry, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share the inheritance of all of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank you for such a beautiful morning, Lord. We thank you for allowing us to be here, God. And I do ask, Lord, that as we uh, study your word, that you would just speak to us, Lord, help us to understand, help us to receive. And more than anything, Lord, help us to be able to put into practice everything that, that we learned today, Father. Thank you for your love, and I thank you for everybody that's here. And even for those that are not with us, God, that are watching this online, I ask for a blessing upon their lives, Lord, that they may continue to grow in the knowledge of your word. We thank you, and we love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, amen. <sighs> Kathy just sent me the verse that I was talking to you guys about. Let me read that to you guys. It's Habakkuk 3.17. But you didn't send me the verse, Kathy. <laughs> that's right. But that's the verse where it says, um, when no fruit is on the vine, I will trust in you. That's the verse that I was talking about. Thank you, Kathy. Um, all right. So last week, we talked about some of, the, some of the definitions and some of the words that we hear very often in the Christian, in the Christian walk. We hear the word hope, faith, the gospel. And I gave you guys the definition of some of those things. Today we're going to focus on a very important one. We talked a little bit about this as well. We talked about the word faith. Verse 4, the fourth verse says, Since we've heard of your faith in Christ. Do you guys remember what the word faith means in the Hebrew? Or not in the Hebrew, but the, how, how do you say? Pistis. Good job. And the word by definition in the, in the Bible, in Hebrew, means that is persuasion, that is credence, moral conviction. You guys remember that? Especially of religious truth or the truthfulness of God. It's important that we see the, the, the definition in parentheses. It's very easy for us to have moral convictions that are not spiritual. Okay? 
Most of us have moral convictions because of the things that our parents have taught us, even outside of the Christian faith. How many of you guys, do you guys remember growing up being Catholic? Be honest. Okay, cool. You guys remember this little thing? You guys remember that? Why? Respect. Something that we were taught. Something that somehow, it was a conviction upon us, right, to do it. We didn't even know why we did it. We just did it. I would literally drive in front of a cemetery, not drive, but I would pass in front of a cemetery, and for respect to the dead people who had no idea I was driving by, I would do this. Really didn't know what it meant. So there is moral convictions that we have that are not biblically based. So it's important that when we read of the when we read the word faith in the Bible, we connect it with spiritual truth. Right? I have faith that there's aliens. Okay, where is that in the Bible? I have faith that, that uh, you know, uh, I don't know, we all came from a monkey. No, you look like a monkey, but I didn't come from a monkey. Where is that in the Bible? Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's, we can have faith in a lot of things. But what makes our faith different, what makes our faith more solid, is because it's backed up by spiritual truth. Does that make sense? Catholics and all, like Buddhists, they have faith in Buddha. Catholics have faith in all these different saints and, 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 and statues. None of that stuff is biblical. So it's important that we notice that the definition of moral conviction of spiritual truth and the truth, truthfulness of what? Of God or a religious teacher. Especially relies upon Christ for salvation. That is the very essential foundation of where our faith stands. There are reliance upon Jesus Christ being our Savior. Now, why is it important that I bring this up? Now, knowing the definition of the word faith, let's read verse, fourth, verse 4 again. I'm very tired today, guys. I'm not, I don't have a headache. I, don't, it's not, I feel okay. I'm just very tired. I had a rough night. My daughter was, I told my wife, my daughter came in, and I was like, okay, fine. Next thing you know, so it's me, my wife, and Mercy, because we have a king bed. Somehow, 30 minutes into it, mercy is right in between us. I don't know how that happens. I promise you I don't know how it happened. Next thing you know, I feel like a kick in my ribcage area. And I was like, so I kind of pushed the leg down. And that's when I realized that it was mercy. Push it down. Cool. Go back to sleep. Maybe about 30 an hour later, I wake up again because I move my, my head to the side. And I, I feel a cold feet on my face. Now, have you ever been so tired, like you're so cold, but you're so tired that you're too lazy to get up to put the Kobe hand back on? Okay, so I was so tired that I'm like, uh. so I try to go back to sleep, and all of a sudden, the, she starts doing this. All right, so this is her feet, her toes not touching my, like she wants to make sure that I'm there, that we're there with her. So the point where now my wife is on the very edge of the bed, and I'm on the other edge, and she's literally touching both of us. And I had a hard time going back to sleep. So I started praying instead. By the way, talking about prayer, how many of you guys started reading the book that I gave you guys? One, two, three. All right. You finished it? Yeah, good. Uh, by the way, Alan, where's Alan? Alan, we have your book, by the way. Kathy's going to give it to you. Please read it. 
You and Ivan. Ivan, I want you to read it with your brother, please. Cool. The reason why I'm saying it is because the reason, and I've said this before, you know, when you're waking up in the middle of the night, just go ahead and start praying. But when you read this book, it's going to give you a different perspective on how to pray. And I think it's very important. It, don't worry if you don't have one. Let us, some of us, finish it. If you finish the book, bring it back so we can go ahead and give it to someone else so they can read it. But I started praying specifically for certain things within the church. Um, I was praying for you guys. Uh, I was praying for my marriage, for ministry overall. But anyway, so because of it, I'm very, like, I'm tired. I caught myself saying a couple of things in the Spanish service, and I'm like, what? Um, anyway, so verse 4. Now that we understand the very definition of the word faith, right, which again, moral conviction of religious truth or truthfulness of God, or more specifically, our, uh, our reliance upon Christ for salvation. So keep that in mind when we read verse 4. It says, since we've heard of your faith, of your reliance in Christ, of your trust in religious truth, in your trust in the Lord, all right, that's the very definition of the word faith. Now, let's read that. We're, we're, reading, we're understanding that verse a little different, right? Since we understand of your truth, of your religious truth, you realize upon Jesus Christ and the love that you have for all the saints. Why is it important that those two parts of the, of the verse are connected? Your faith and your love for others, right? Paul is bringing those two things to light because it's very important. I'll tell you why. Faith alone, without any works, without you showing that you have faith, is a very thin line that you're walking in. Right? It's not my saying. It's what the Bible says. If we say, if we, say we have faith, the truth faith, we have pistis, right? If we have moral conviction of of religious truth, if we rely upon Jesus and we, we call Jesus to be our Savior, right? If that's where our reliance is at, and it doesn't come with works, with something that people see, it's a very, very dangerous line we're, leaving, we're, we're walking by. Go to James chapter 2, verse 14. I don't say this. It's not my calling. It's not the church rules. Right? But it's the very word of God that tells us. And it's important. We're going to read James 2 and we're going to go back to verse 4. Because again, the importance of verse 4 is your faith and your love for all the saints. That has to be connected. There's a connection there. And it goes back to what Jesus told us in the book of John, right? By this they will know that you're my disciple. In other words, Jesus is saying, by this they will see your faith in me. That you love one another. You guys see the connection now? You see how Colossians is now connecting with what Jesus is saying? Go to James chapter 2, verse 14. We have it up there. Thank you. Who is it? Is it Manny or Juan? Juan. No, Manny. Oh, Juan is in the middle. Oh, look at you guys. All right. James 2, 14 says, what good is it, my brothers? Again, talking to Christians, right? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, what good is it? it? says, can that faith save him? Notice that he doesn't answer the question. But listen to how he continues. Verse 15, it says, If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them the things that needed for the body, what good is that? 
He's saying, if you guys see a hungry brother or sister in the Lord, and he says, hey, brother, I need help. I haven't eaten anything. And I tell this person, you know what? Be filled in the Lord. You don't need to eat. You know what? God bless you, brother. Go home. Warm yourself up. Be comfortable. You're going to be all right. And I don't give him food. What good is it that I? Took, what good is it for me to just tell him to go be, and be satisfied, be be be? Uh, what is this? Um, be filled with what? With what? Again, notice the Paul, the that James is not answering the question whether you go to hell or not. He's not saying whether it's faith alone will save you or works alone will save you, but he makes a very important connection. He wants us to think deep about this. Right? Again, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, and fill without giving them things needed to the body, what good is that? So, also, faith, peace, peace, by itself, it does not have work, is dead. If it does not have work, is dead. It's very hard for anybody to believe that you're truly a follower of Christ. If you don't have love for one another, and love leads to actions. Does that make sense? You guys see the connection now in Colossians? True love leads to action. If I love, if I, I was going to say, if I love some of you, no, if I love you guys the way I should, I will be there for you guys. If we say we love one another, we will physically be there for each other. You know how many times most of us have gone away with like, I love the person, but, right? There's the but. I love, but. I love, and I don't have, and it's like our mind would justify these things. No, guys, our faith has to come with the action of love. Because love will lead us to die to ourselves. I'll give you guys pre-marriage counseling to some of you guys. You know what the secret is to a happy marriage? Thanks. Jesus. <laughs> Second to Jesus. <laughs> What's the secret to a happy marriage? Go ahead. What is it? Two grateful givers. Oh, forgivers. Yeah, forgivers. But what's the foundation of forgiving? Love, right? Colossians 1.13. Love forgives all. So based on that, right? What else? Communication? That's up there. Honesty? Yeah. Selflessness. All these things go together. I know. <laughs> this is what I'm going with this, guys. The pastor that gave my wife and I marriage counseling when we got married, first lesson he ever gave us says, you think love runs, uh, ever runs dry? And Edith and I were like, oh, we're like, right now, no, we're good. Like, because it does. The feeling, the emotion of love, it will go away. Saying, so he and I look at each other, I was like, dude, I, what kind of pastor is this? Right? 
says every day you're going to have to choose to love that person. And it is that choice of love for that person that's gonna, that is supposed to lead you to be selfless, to be a true forgiver, to be a good communicator, to be honest, to be faithful. But the very foundation of all these things, things is what? Love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Without true love, without the understanding of what true love is, everything that we do is selfish in a marriage. Again, none of you guys are married besides Kathy and Juan and Beck. Right? None of, okay, no, none of you guys are married. And Alex and Marlene, thank you. Thank you guys, because you guys are still, like, still my high schoolers, you know? But that's the secret. Now, is it always perfect? Nope. Is it something that we constantly have to be working on? Yep. Is it something that we could apply to the church like in Colossia, right? Where he says, we've heard of your faith in Christ and of your love for who? All the saints. So is true love a very foundation of what we ought to be doing at church? Should true forgiveness be practiced within the church? Yeah. Should true communication, true uh, loyalty, honesty, should that be practiced within the church? It has to happen. If we claim to have faith in Jesus, it is connected with true love. Because that's not good for you to say, oh, you know, again, oh, I love Jesus, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't do anything. I don't go out there and share the gospel because, you know, like, who am I? But I love Jesus. Oh, you know, I don't serve at church because, you know, it's not my job. Like, see, it's my relationship with the Lord. It's just him and I. Cool. Show me. You guys, you guys want to know how you guys know that I'm married to my wife? And you guys want to know how I love my wife? First of all, by wearing my ring. Second of all, by always talking about my wife. That's, by the way, is another secret for you guys when you guys get married and you guys have to be in a place where your wife is not around. The secret to not getting involved with anything, always talk about your wife. Always talk about your wife. I worked, when I started working, and I was recently married, there was a bunch of ladies that I used to work around. It was like, and they would talk about stuff, and like, hey, Joe, have you heard about this? Yeah, my wife talked about that. Never had a problem with any other ladies. They knew. And then, well, you know what I started doing after that? I started showing them pictures of my wife. One of them actually went to the point of saying, really, how'd you get hurt? You don't want to know. Just kidding. <laughs> By prayer, I was like, <laughs> fasting and prayer and a lot of headaches. I'm just kidding. Again, the Bible also gives us the very definition of what our faith is. Go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And we all know this. We've all heard it before. Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith, peace, peace, is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's hard to prove before you sit in a chair that you have faith that the chair is going to hold you up. It's hard to prove it unless you what? Unless you sit on it. Right? 
All of us, before we sat today on these chairs, you guys had faith without knowing about it that the chair you were sitting on was going to be able to hold you up. None of you guys question it, right? Not you could have. All right. You guys had hope. You guys, the, the way you guys proved that you had faith that the chair was holding you up is by sitting on it. The way we have hope in the Lord, the way that we, our faith works is we have not seen God himself. We, we have not seen Jesus. No, those pictures don't count. No, the statues, they don't count. The movie doesn't count. Okay, so don't tell me you've seen Jesus. None of us have. But we believe by faith in God. We believe by faith in what Jesus did for us. And the way we show that we have faith is by what? So love. Thank you. You see how it's all connected, guys? Why do I why did why did I go back and, and, and start teaching you guys all? I'll tell you why it is. Somebody somebody sent something this week, and I don't know who it was. And I think I've shared this with you guys that what the enemy has been trying to do for the past hundreds of years, but more specifically lately, is to cause division within the church. So cause, how many of you guys have heard of like Muslim Republicans that are going against everything that's going on? Like I haven't heard any of that. How many of you guys have heard of the Mormons going against everything that's going on? No. Right? They're putting the Christians against everybody else. It's the Christians that have a problem. And then you go within the Christians and you're like, well, I believe this and I believe in that. I believe we should close the church. I believe we should keep the church open. I believe we should not wear a mask. I believe we should. And then there's division. There's family members that I believe they're Christian and they have blatantly told me that they don't understand why I come to church because, you know, I might die because of all this viruses stuff. Right? How are you showing, how am I showing you guys that I have faith? By being here, by loving you guys. I can easily be at home, record this message, send it to you guys through Zoom, put it on YouTube, put it on the church website, and there it goes. No. The best definition of what I've heard lately of what, how a pastor in these times of, of trials and these times of division I've seen, like this pastor says, you want to know, there's people that think that because the church has been open, that we're not showing love to our neighbors. This pastor says it's the opposite. Right? Even, I believe in him, even in our pastor, right? The city has come, has sent letters to our church saying that if we stay open, that they're going to cancel our, our insurance. They, they've threatened our church, by the way, that if, if we stay open, that something's going to happen to our church. That if we don't take care of you guys, that something's going to happen. The threat. And it's a real threat. Like, I'm not making this up. That's happened within the church. This pastor goes on to say, I say the opposite. I say that the fact that we kept the church open shows our love for the church. Why? Because they could easily come and find us. They could easily come and close the church. They could easily take the pastor to jail. And I'm putting my freedom aside, this pastor says. So that I could show you my love. So that I could share with you the word of God. Because this is the time where we most need it, right? 
That's how we show our love. That's, that's how we show our faith, by loving one another. And that's exactly what, John, what, what Paul brings, tells the, the, the church in Colossae, where he says, I've heard of your faith, and I've seen it. They talk about your love for the saints. I've heard they talk about your love for one another, for the Christians. Man, that's amazing. Why do they love one another? Why do they have faith? Colossians 1.5, he continues on to say, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Why do you love one another? Why do, you, why, why do you have faith in Jesus? Because of the hope. What is hope? The Hebrew definition is alpis, which is primary to anticipate, usually with pleasure. To anticipate, usually with pleasure. The expectation, the confidence, the hope, the faith. That is hope. Now we have pistis, faith. We have elpis, hope. To anticipate, usually with pleasure. Because of the thing that, that you're anticipating, because of the hope that's being laid out for you, hey, your anticipation to be in heaven in the presence of the Lord, that's what's causing you to be loving. Isn't that amazing? I'll tell you why it's important for us to us, why it's important for us to look at our church that way. How many of you guys have been upset with somebody at church? Why is it that that feeling or that anger at times causes us to sin? Why is it that somebody's action or somebody's words Cause us, cause our joy to be taken away. Think about that for a second. Just think about that. Think about what I just said right now. Why is it that other people's action caused our joy to be taken away? If I love my wife, like I say I do, which, which I've shown that I do, and then one of you guys comes and tells me, you know what? I don't like the way your wife drove to church today. And I go home and I'm like, Edith, what were you thinking? Like, pa, pa, pa. And then like, but I love you. Like, no. What you guys tell me about my wife, it's not going to change how I feel about her. I love my wife. You see what I'm saying? I love my God more than anything else. So why is it that whatever it is that you're doing or you're saying is causing my joy in the Lord to be taken away? Maybe, just maybe, is it because my hope in the Lord is not where it's supposed to be? This is very shaky ground. I believe it was Swal Reese who tells the story that he went out to L.A. back in the 80s and the 90s, and he was sharing the gospel and the hood, like people with cholos, and it was bad, bad in those times. He says that as he, as he was sharing the gospel, that a cholo came up to him and says, I'm going to kill you. If you don't stop preaching this whole Jesus stuff, I'm going to kill you right now. Now, your initial reaction when somebody threatens you is what? Oh, heck no. What? Down or what? So you know, I'm telling you right now, you come threaten me, there might be problems. 
Rory's reaction at that moment was to tell them, no matter what you do to me, I just want to let you know that I forgive you and that God loves you. Like I said, this gangster dude just fell on his knees, started bawling and crying, says, nobody has ever shown me that much love or forgiveness ever in my life. And how is it that within the church, it is very easy for us to be like, oh, no, this person, oh, no, that person. It's like, where's the love? Instead of setting our eyes on things on earth, on what people are doing around us, let's set our eyes on the hope set before us in heaven. Did any of you guys ever do track running? Nobody? You did? You did you did the marathon, right? I think you talked about it, right? How easy is it to get distracted? Like, you know that your, your end line is that way, right? It's right in front of you. But the moment you start running and you start focusing around, do you start slowing down? Right? I've heard that. I've never done, done that before. But it's happened in soccer before. In soccer, it's when the ball is in front of you, if you start looking around, all of a sudden you lose sight of where the ball is and you start slowing down. Think of it like that in our spiritual walk. The hope set before us is Jesus, like the hope, the salvation, heaven. And that's where I should be at. But when you start looking at what everybody else is doing, you're like, oh, well, look at what she's wearing. Look like, what he's doing. All of a sudden, you're like, you're, you're so focused on what else, what's, what's going on around us that you start like losing focus on what's, what's being set before us. I love that Paul, Paul brings this out and says, look, I've heard of your faith and of your love for one another, not just because you have a good pastor, not just because of this, but because of the hope that's set before you in heaven. I love that. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying, I love the, the fact that you guys have faith and you love one another because of what Jesus did for you. That's amazing. I love the fact that we can love one another, not because we're good people. We're not good at all. I love the fact we can love one another, not because of the goodness of this church, of how, no, because of what Jesus did for us. Can we look at each other and say, man, I want to love you because Jesus loved me first. Go to, um, oh my gosh, I had it this morning, Colossians chapter 3. And I believe it was verse 12 and 13. By the way, this is not up there, Manny. This is just the verse that came to me this morning. Chapter 3. What is it? 12 and 13, right? Is that what I read in Spanish? Yeah. Listen to this and highlight this in your Bible, by the way, guys. I really recommend it. Put on then, talking to the church, as God's chosen ones. Holy? You guys remember what the word holy is? Set apart. And beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, Humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one, listen, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as what? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. As much as the Lord has loved you, so must you love one another. Do you understand? This is in chapter 3. We haven't even... We're, we just started chapter 1. 
Think of the connection, right? Like I, it's all the simplicity of the gospel, guys. The simplicity of what God is trying to teach us. It's beautiful, right? We're not even getting into the history of anything. Do you guys remember? It, it, we did in the beginning, of the first, uh, in the intro to this book. Do you guys remember what was happening in this church? That fact that there was people coming over to the church trying to indoctrinate them with different things? Paul takes it back to the very foundation. Look, guys, no matter what anybody comes and tells you, remember your faith, your love for one another, for the hope that's set before you. If at any time you're feeling confused about the church, if at any time you feel like the church isn't cutting it, and I'm being sarcastic when I said that, right? All the people, the, you know, the building, the teaching, blah, 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 this, that, that. If at any point all that doesn't cut it for you anymore, take it back to your faith. Take it back to the love for one another. Take it back to the hope that's being set before you in heaven. Again, verse 5 says, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before the word of the truth, the gospel. You guys remember what the word gospel means? I couldn't pronounce this one, by the way. Euangeline. Euangelion. Euangelion. Thank you. Hey, you speak Hebrew? Nice. Which means a good message. Good news. <laughs> Write it down, guys. There's going to be a test at the end of this book. <laughs> and you know what I'm going to do, honey? I think that's what I'm going to do. You know how I gave you guys books at the, when we went over the book of John at the end? I'm going to buy another book. Hey, do you guys like reading? Like, be honest with me. Do you guys like reading books? Yeah. If you guys like, like, for example, the book that I gave you was, was, wasn't thick. It was just very small, very easy to read. Very, I think it's a very easy to understand book. You guys like those books? I'll go ahead and buy those. And at the end of each uh, book that we study, I'll go ahead and give those out for you guys too. Uh, all right? <laughs> with pictures? <laughs> Color, with coloring sections? <laughs> no. And it goes back to what we were talking about. Your faith and your love for one another is there because of the gospel, because of the hope that's been set before you. Verse 6. Which has come to you as in need, talking about the gospel, the gospel came to them, the good news came to them, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing. Now, God has amazing ways to be able to, be able to get his message across. Know that he doesn't need you and I. He doesn't need you and I, but he chooses, he chooses to use each and every single, single one of us for a reason. He doesn't need me to be up here and teach the word to you guys. He could be using any one of us. But the fact that you and I have the privilege to sit down in an AC room, very comfortable chairs, You guys can get up any moment, leave whenever you guys want. There's no rules. The doors are unlocked. There's no attendance being taken. Well, kind of, you know? But God's way of spreading his message, regardless of who you, who you and I are, 
back, if you guys ever get a chance to study the book of Acts, if you guys read it, that's when the church was being persecuted. And God used the persecution of the church to where people were meeting inside houses and, and nobody could find out where they were meeting because they will go on after them and they will kill them and they will feed them to the lions. That people started running away for fear of their life. And as they ran away, this person, like let's say we're all in Downey, we all live in Downey, they're persecuting us. You know what, guys? I can't stay here anymore because, you know, this and this is happening, so I'm going to move over to Tijuana. Some of you guys are in Tijuana, some of you guys are in, in this and that. All of a sudden, the message that you guys have been, uh, that's been shared to you guys here, now that same message, you take it to those places, and the word of God is spread. Sometimes God uses beautiful things, miracles. Sometimes he uses, again, uh, persecution, pain, suffering. I think that times where God has shown himself the most real in our lives, and I say our lives, I believe all of us fit in this, is when we're going through a situation when we have nowhere else to run to but him. Does that make sense? If you guys have read the book or read the book, when you guys get to chapter 2, Chapter 1, I believe, I'm sorry. Talks about, I can't give it away. You know what I'm talking about. Chapter 1. Marlene, you read chapter 1? Where he talks about, if, you read, if your life is good, you don't need to pray. It's all good. You don't need to pray. Unfortunately, I don't think anybody's life is good enough to not have a need to pray. I didn't want to give that up. That's exactly it. Understanding our, dep- our dependency on God. Anyway, that's outside of what I was trying to teach. That's all right. Verse 6 says, Which has come to you as in need the whole world, and is bearing fruit and increasing. Talking about the gospel, bringing new believers, uh, a church rising, churches rising up. So it also does, does among you, since the day you heard it, and it Heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. The grace of God. It's a very important topic. Now, next week, we're going to bring on what the word grace means. Again, it goes back. Notice how it connects the word grace of God with what? Truth. Right? Just like we talk our, about our faith in Jesus. There has to be connections to the words. We can't just take a certain word and say, well, I have, you know, God has grace on me. Yeah, well, and what? How? Explain that to me. What does that mean? What does that look like in our lives? So, we'll go ahead and end right here. But I want you guys to keep this in mind. Most of us have experienced, actually all of us have experienced the very grace of God. But you guys know there's a way we could experience the grace of God in truth. So for you guys' homework, if you guys want to, you don't have to, but I'm going to question you guys on what is grace of God in truth. What does that mean? What does that look like? What does it mean to have the grace of God in truth? 
Key word is in truth. Do your research. <laughs> Don't call me so I could be your research. All right? Do your research. Study, study what the word grace means. Find out the definition of the word grace. What is truth? You guys remember what truth is? I am the word, the truth, and the light. And nobody comes to the Father but through me, Jesus said. So who is truth? What is truth? Jesus. Ah. Clue number one. The grace of God in Jesus. Truth. Let's pray, guys. Father God, Lord, we thank you so much, Lord, for your mercies. And we thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us, God. And I thank you, Lord, for uh, allowing us, Lord, to be able to study your word, God. And I do pray, Lord, that as, as, as we have studied today, Lord, that that faith that we set before you, God, it does come with works. And, and, and people may see that our faith in, in, in you, Jesus, because of how we love one another, because of how we put things into practice. Not that we pretend, but because we know. We know what you require of us, God. And therefore, we want to be obedient. So if asking for forgiveness is what we need to do, then that's help us, Lord, to do that. If asking for mercy is what we need to do, if asking for, for patience, whatever it is that we need to do, God, help us to be able to put that into practice, Lord. May this, may our lives, forget the church, but may our lives as individuals, Lord, show that faith that the church in Colossae showed, that they love one another, that they love the saints because of the hope that was set before them in heaven. May that be us, God. May that be me. Help me, Lord, to understand what that looks like and help us all understand, Lord, so we may be able to put it into practice, God. We thank you, Father, and we praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.